How you doing everybody? Hope you're having a good day. Thanks for tuning in to Hacking the Hustle. On today's episode, I have Brian Smokovich, my step-brother-in-law. We talk about his startup called Reef and its goal of trying to save the earth through coral reefs and his involvement with NFTs and an NFT exchange and his opinion on how NFTs, NFTs and cryptocurrencies are going to change the economy and the global financial system. So hope you enjoyed today's episode and have a good day. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for having me, Benji. Of course. Where are you calling in from? So right now I'm in Long Island, which is where I'm originally from, although I've spent, you know, I used to spend a lot of time in the city. I know that you just spent the last 12 months traveling the world. So what's it like being back in the United States? It's, uh, it's different, you know, getting, getting reacclimated here. Um, just so many different countries and cultures and different speeds of life, really. And then coming here, it's like, I feel very trapped in Long Island. I know I'm like from here, but I, it's not the place for me. You know, it's not the place for me to settle. So I'm, I definitely have to leave soon. It's just a bit, uh, there's too many people. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? Somewhere out, either somewhere out west if I stay in the States, or I'm thinking I'm going back to Costa Rica in August to, uh, to go see the, our partners, the, the laboratory that we work with down there. Fascinating. So let's talk about that. You're the co-founder of a company called Reef that has a partnership with an organization in Costa Rica. So tell us what is Reef and what is your vision and goal with the company? So Reef is a sustainability brand that me and a couple friends uh, recently launched. And the idea is that we want to create sustainable and biodegradable and eventually uh, like a circular economy type deal of products um, in which are non-harmful for the environment. So we're reducing our plastic use and any type of consumerism that we do, we want to try to be like reductionist at the end where they, um, again, like the circular economy being things that are reused or things that get bio, uh, that biodegrade or dissolve into the earth, essentially. So what we what we started with is a biodegradable phone case, which actually I have on me right here. It's the the, the reef case. Awesome. And for every case that we sell, we donate five dollars right off the top to a laboratory in Costa Rica, who's it's the only Costa Rica nonprofit that is sanctioned to regrow the coral reefs in the uh, national marine parks there. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're starting up the lab and they're going to slowly, uh, they're going to ramp up their processes and grow coral and take these coral and then re-implement them into the reefs in Costa Rica because most of the reefs down there have been absolutely decimated. Really? I'm assuming you spent time living in Costa Rica and saw it firsthand. So for those of us who've never been to Costa Rica and haven't really been exposed to the importance of coral reefs, please give me a quick education on why I should care about coral reefs. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, go to Costa Rica at some point. It's absolutely beautiful. I was living there for the last three months. Um, but the reason that reefs are mainly important to us is that they are the foundation of uh, life and for the, for the ecosystem of the ocean, right? So what that really means is that it all starts with the reefs. Reefs are where reefs in, at, at their core reefs uh, work symbiotically with an algae called uh, zoanthella. And what this algae does is uh, it basically eats the waste of the coral, uh, which is an animal, which some people don't know. 
And then this algae creates oxygen. So it oxygenates the water in which marine life is, it needs to survive, right? But not just us, uh, not just marine life, but we as humans need this oxygen to survive. 70% of the oxygen in the air comes from the ocean. Uh, you know, we talk about all the time the, the Amazon being the lungs of the world, and really it's one lung of the world. The other lung of the world is the oceans, and that all stems and starts with the reefs. So basically, if our reefs die, uh, our marine life will continue to die, and we'll have less oxygen in the air. So if we don't save, basically, if, if someone doesn't step in right now to save our reefs, we will suffocate to death, even though we're on land. Will we, in our lifetime, our children or great-grandchildren? Uh, we could see it in our lifetime. Most likely, it'd be more of like our children's lifetime. So to just give you some quick statistics, about 50% of the world, the entire world's reefs have already bleached and died. They're dead, half. And it's estimated that within the next 90 years, within the next century, um, basically, that, the, un, that an additional 90% of the reefs will die, meaning we'll have none. Right, you can't, 10% of reefs isn't, it's a negligible amount. <laughs> so within the next hundred years, which, you know, maybe we'll live that long, depending on how biotechnology and everything advances, you know, we'll see. Okay. Um, we, you know, moral of the story is we need to take care of our ocean. About, you know, if we take care of our ocean, it'll take care of us. Why do you care about this? What about this makes you revved up? Why, why spend your time focused on coral reefs and saving the planet? Uh, it's just like, so all of my previous work, um, you know, just a, a quick, quick background, you know, as a financial advisor, I worked for a management consulting firm, and then I worked for like an enterprise blockchain company. And nothing ever really inspired me, right? It, I just was working every day to make big companies richer, to make billionaires richer, to get to give make more money to the people who already had money. And it was a, I don't want to say disgusting feeling, but it, it left me very empty and hollow. So once I started to travel a bit and see the, like, the nature of the world and the beauty of the world and really how humans destroy it, you know, whether it's through trash or deforestation or, you know, like extra plastic or overfishing or, you know, one of the, the, the 20 million different ways that humans are destroying this planet. Um, it, it, it hurts me in a way, you know, to, to mm -hmm. see such beauty being absolutely destroyed. So if I figure, I figure I'd much rather spend all of my time and effort trying to help. And at the end of the day, the way I see it is that no one does enough for the planet. You know, it doesn't matter how big of, the, of a philanthropist you are, we don't do enough for the planet. So I think that if I can spend my time and effort building this company, to help save the reefs, I can make up for the lack of effort from everyone else. Because mm. people just wanna, a lot of people don't really care and, mm -hmm. and at, at this point of time, right? They, they think that uh, there's still half the world thinks global warming isn't real, which mm -hmm. is, can be is a bit ridiculous. Right. You know, it's, it's true, people have their doubts. And, and I talked with, talk with family, you know, who, 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 have, who either don't believe it or, you know, it, it's closer than you think, the, the misinformation and disbelief. Right. So other people can't pick up the mantle. I will. You yeah. Know, when, I, when, I, when I first went on my first date with Barry, your stepsister, my wife, she, we went to a vegan restaurant and I asked her, why are you vegan? What is veganism? And she explained it to me. And since that day, I've committed to being, being vegan. 
And it's appalling to think about how we humans are destroying our planet. We could care less. We, it's like ignorance, ignorance is bliss. People don't want to know that there's millions of animals dying every day. And they'd rather just keep a blind eye from that. So how, what would you do if you're in a room full of people who hear you, they understand, but they don't really care. They think they're just one person and who cares about the planet anyway? Let's just keep on making money. So honestly, it's, it's, a, bit of, it's a bit of a tough problem to solve, right? Um, at the end of the day, you know, having been in sales, my psychology is that you can't force a belief on, on people. You know, people need to internalize a belief and it has to resonate with them and then they have to believe it themselves and they have to tell themselves that they believe it in order for it to really make a change and stick. If you try to push your beliefs on someone, if you try to like, you know, I've done veganism for a bit as well. And when, when eating, I would never be like, oh, you need to go vegan, you need to go vegan. If it, if it would have improved their diet and lifestyle, and if they had like these ailments, then I'd drop a, you know, well, eating, eating meat definitely doesn't, doesn't help what you're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. uh, then it, it can help because you're solving a problem. Uh, but what I like to try to do is I try to figure out why they don't care. Um, maybe it's a disassociation. And if it is a disassociation, I try to inform them about, you know, for me, it's about losing, losing our, all of our marine life and the, the, majestic, the majesty of it. And also like the, the oxygen problem, the pollution, uh, and like the, or the eventual pollution. And I try to, I try to resonate that with them a bit, um, because, you know, everyone likes to breathe. Everyone likes to live. And especially if they have children, if they have future generations, then they want to take care of them. And mm. you know, that, that's something that re really resonates strong, strongly with people, especially the older generations. You know, people want to, a, a big reason that people accumulate so much wealth in a way is to take care of their children and to pass that wealth on. Um, so hopefully in that same vein, if you're enlightening them to the, the problems of climate change and what can eventually happen with the destruction of our reefs, then, you know, this is to save your, save your children. This is for the welfare uh, and the well-being of the future of humanity. Um, and to try to, to try to get that message across isn't an easy one. And, you know, it doesn't always stick, unfortunately. You have an incredible mission statement. So what are your biggest challenges right now as the founder of this new company? Oh man, where to start? <laughs> I'm sure as uh, many people on your, your, your podcast mentioned, you know, being a, uh, there's a, being a founder, there's just a million fires to put out and a million challenges. Um, mostly I'm bootstrapping, right? So I'm, I've been self-funding. We just got a little bit of initial funding as well, which is going to help out. But, you know, being very lean, in a way is definitely challenging because uh, certain aspects of the business or in marketing and, or creation and whatever it may be um, is, is, is tough to do it, to do everything on your own. So it's a lack of resources, uh, but you know, things like Fiverr exist, which is phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever, you know, interviewed Oops. anyone that, that tends to use Fiverr, but it's a, you know, great platform out there for people to, you know, to find good freelance work for, or reasonable rates mm -hmm. uh, starting with that and then you know eventually building a team you know because right now I have we have a small team but everyone works pro bono for the most part you know out of, out of their their heart to, to to save the reefs but also to be part of this this project and mm -hmm. they, they resonate strongly with it um, and that's a challenge in my in my own eyes because uh, I'm working with people who I want to help support 
you know, I, I think that, you know, people can only work unpaid for so long and the thing mm. is to get them motivated and paid um, is, is definitely a challenge as well. Right. So you're starting with phone cases. Where are your phone cases being manufactured? So our phone cases are currently being, manu um, being manufactured in China. Which okay. I'm not the, the happiest about, you know, but it's, it's the easiest way to, to start our business, right? So mm -hmm. when we talk with them, we, we've communicated to, to use no plastic when, 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 uh, when shipping between factories um, or when, when getting to our fulfillment center. All of our packaging is eco-friendly. We use cardboard and, bio and uh, compo compostable mailers. But the eventual goal is to onshore most of our business um, to make the cases here. And one, so once we start to scale, uh, we're going we're gonna to be doing that. We're going to bring everything in-house, whether it's recycling or 3D printing or whatever we can do. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, we do eventually want to move that out of the supply chain. Right now, it's just for the, the, the really the launch and the bootstrapping of the company. Got it. So before we change topics and talk about your NFT exchange, why should someone buy your product and where can they buy your product? All right. So why should you buy a reef case, right? Besides the fact that you're helping the earth, you're helping this, this laboratory in Costa Rica right now, maybe within the first five years. And after that, we'll branch out and save the corals of the world, right? So besides the altruistic part of it, it's once it's pretty stylish. I love it. I love the colors. You can see it right here. It has like these, these flecks in it. These recycled flex—they're made of wheat. They're made of, of uh, cornstarch and wheat straw, so you know they're fully biodegradable. They feel great. You'd think they'd be like a bit hard or too soft, but like they're surprisingly soft in a nice way. It feels good in the hand. And the the the, the probably the most important reason is if you're a traveler, it's absolutely incredible to not have to like worry about your hands at any time, right? So here's just like the full the full strap of it. Mm -hmm. But it's, like being purse, it's like a handbag purse. I love that. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's where I've seen similar designs across Asia and traveling. And that's really, I think, the people who would benefit most of it. If you travel, like, let's say you hike or that you're going to the beach or, you know, uh, if you don't have po pockets for whatever reason, you know, a, a girl on a night out, she's wearing a dress, doesn't have pockets. What do you do? Where do you put your phone? Mm -hmm. uh, with this, you're never going to drop your phone. Right. Like I don't even have a screen protector on my case, which is probably a mistake. Like I need, I should do that. But at the same time, I have no fear of this thing breaking because it, it can't break if it doesn't fall. Right. Love and, yeah. And it's so also, where can they buy it? It's, so where we can buy, you can buy it on our website. It's reef.us. Reef is spelled uh, R-I-E-F dot U-S. Reef us. Nice. Okay. Reef us. All right. I'll post it. I'll put it in the show notes. And now I want to ask you about your, your exposure and experience with cryptocurrencies. I know you've worked in the past at a blockchain company, and I know you own a lot of Ethereum and Bitcoin. So you mentioned earlier before we clicked record that you're involved with an NFT exchange. Mm -hmm. I believe most of my audience knows what NFTs are, but tell me about an NFT exchange and how that's going to change the game for the cryptocurrency industry. Absolutely, so to, to give a real 10 second overview and if anyone doesn't know what an NFT is, it's basically, it stands for non-fungible token, basically meaning any, it, it's a, a, it can be like a unique 
piece of code or, or art. And it's a, it's a unique token at the end of the day, right? So you have Ethereum tokens and NFT would be one token, but it's not an Ethereum token. It's incredibly unique. And the way that, or it's individually unique rather. And the way that- Keep talking, keep talking. The way that, um, the way that they have value is basically through this uniqueness. And what the crypto industry has been utilizing this for recently, you know, we've, uh, uh, has been NFTs and basically digital art. Like in the beginning, people were using NFTs for collectibles. Like they, the, you may have heard of Crypto Kitties and similar veins of that. Uh, Gods Unchained was like a, a trading card game on the Ethereum blockchain. So now it's moving to art. So uh, it's basically helping to empower the individual artist to give them more financial freedom and more exposure to a community to who, who can purchase their art, who has the funds to purchase their art, right? So you can, any artist can create this artwork. A lot of it tends to be moving in a, in a way. Um, moving, there's 3D art, you know, there, there's, there's, there's photography, there's anything, anything that you can think of. Uh, modeling, rendering, and what they do is they, they mint it to the blockchain and then generally it's auctioned off. So these artists are receiving more compensation for their artwork than they normally could have been selling art wherever they, wherever they were before. You know, it, it's a struggle whether they have to create their own Instagram, whether they have to create their own brand in line, whether they have to, uh, I mean, you, you know, your wife's an artist. It's not, not, not a professional one, but if, if, if she wanted to go and sell the art, it's not, it's not necessarily easy for someone to, to find these pro appropriate channels to sell their art for large sums of money. You know, things that can actually help uh, sustain your life that you can live off of. You know, it's, it's usually much, it's, it's much, much smaller increments. Mm -hmm. So what the exchange does is it helps empower this artist while also our exchange in particular, it's called Mint Goldust. Um, and the reason that it's going to have more value proposition than the other NFT exchanges out there, you know, some is really easy to mint. Some it's, um, you know, and, and you can mint anything, you know, you can buy anything. Some is more curtailed to having, you know, the, a steady flow. Ours is going to be fully curated. It's going to have a full curatorial system. So we're going to have, uh, uh, we actually have two well-known curators on the team who are going to go through the artists and you know speak with the artists and do write-ups and you know guarantee and ensure that their pieces have value and explain to the consumers why these have value so we're preserving value for both artists and buyer got it and how far along are you in the process uh so right now the platform is being developed uh with the anticipation that we should be launching midsummer and so let's use Barry, my wife, as an example. She's an artist. She has a portfolio of artwork. I would love for her to monetize her paintings that I think are incredibly unique and beautiful. She finds out about you from an Instagram ad. She clicks it. She signs up, creates a profile. How does she mint her canvas? So when you to mint something, well, we have a set of instructions on it because it is rather... I wouldn't say it's an intuitive process, you know, especially for people who first getting into cryptocurrency, it can seem a bit daunting, but it's really not that difficult at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Generally, you have, to, you have to make a wallet on the, a program called like MetaMask. You plug mm -hmm. into the platform and then through there, the platform does most of the work for you, right? It makes it easy. There's guided instructions to, you take the art, you, base, you upload the art onto the platform 
And then what it does is you'll submit a transaction. So you have to spend a little bit of money in order to actually get the, the art onto the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And then from there, once it's on the blockchain, it's on the platform and you can auction it off to the general public. Got it. Can you explain to me what Gary V's NFT project is? Gary, I know Gary V. I didn't know he had an NFT project. Yeah, he's got his own NFT. Something's going on where he's in the NFT game. So why should we care about NFTs? How is NFTs going to change economics, the financial system? What are your, what are your two cents on that? NFTs can be much more powerful than people are anticipating, right? Because it can go much, it can, it's more broad than just digital art. And it actually is more transformational than even I originally thought. The idea is that, you know, anything unique can be an NFT. So if we're taking the analog world and digitizing it, once we digitize it, anything that's unique in standard will essentially be its own NFT. It'll run as its own ERC-721 token, which is the standard that Ethereum uses. Um, so let's say, for example, you're watching, uh, you're watching a movie, right? You're watching a Netflix movie and it's the, you, you really like the outfits of the characters, right? It's like high fashion and you want to be able to, you want to be able to figure you want to be able to get it. We're, you're going to be able to basically link and follow through that screen um, through the Netflix to basically find that dress or suit or whatever it may be, that fashion, and then get it made for you on demand. So it's a process called fashion on demand, right? And this is the, the aspect. And the, the, it makes it easier because the, the logistics that in the, the real life, you know, can be, can be a bit difficult for these right now. But by using NFTs, you make it more efficient and you, you get the funding for it as well, which is one of the most important parts really of any business. You know, it's having the money. Once you have money, you can make things work because mm-hmm. you can pay for it. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the econ- that's, that's what the economy is. You know, the economy has the, the economic, my favorite economic principle is the velocity of money and how quickly money moves through an economic system. And if you have a higher velocity of money, that, econ- that economy generally tends to be healthier. Mm-hmm. So same instance as this nfts allow you to monetize this unique value in which if it's fashion on demand you know the designer will be able to get uh, a piece of that a piece of that uh the designer the manufacturer everyone gets a piece in code of this payment and then let's say this dress or the N- nft in the future is sold again these people retain royalties as well as the intellectual property mm-hmm. so because they retain this intellectual property and the co- Copywriting can or cannot be transferred depending on if the owner or the artist wants it to. Um, but because they retain this initial intellectual property, they can receive revenues or royalties rather whenever it's resold on the secondary market. Interesting. How are you balancing your feeling of leaving America and leaving corporate America and traveling the world and going to all these countries, not coming back, starting Reef, which has this great mission statement, but also getting involved with blockchain, which you could argue has that corporate America feeling to it, where it's all about making money and helping rich people get richer. So how are you balancing these feelings? Well, I don't really see blockchain as a way to make the rich richer. Um, I mean, it has certain aspects of it, right? But the idea is that blockchain is designed to decentralize our world. 
to, to give more financial independence, more financial freedom to the smaller person. To give the, that smaller person the ability to, to make higher revenues, higher interest off their savings account, um, to sell computing power or storage for money in exchange, you know, different, different, avenue, different avenues of revenue now. Um, like my old company was more so focused on enterprise blockchain, which is why it had those feelings and why I had those, those conflicting feelings. But right now my, like my current projects are helping independent artists. Um, we're helping, uh, well, in, in this case, mainly independent artists and, and people for intellectual property, but it's not, you know, at, at the, at its, at its core, the idea of like the cypherpunk movement and cryptocurrencies in general isn't to make the rich richer isn't it's really to fight back against corrupt governments and uh you know uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for like just bad economic policies for for lack of a better term <laughs> it seems like you've gained a lot of wisdom over the years of working before you went on your trip to now being back and you have a new insight on how you want to live your life what's some words of wisdom that you would share with someone who's 10 years younger than you, who has a similar perspective and value system, how would you guide them on how to see their career and approach the next 10 years of their life? I'd say first take a breath, you know, step back, breathe. Not everything has to move at a million miles an hour. It's the one thing I may move at a million miles an hour still when talking and working, but it's important to go out and, and take some time for yourself and to enjoy nature and enjoy the beauty that this world has before us. And it's not all just money based. And even though our lives are dependent on, you know, living on money is we don't really need as much of it as we think to, to live and survive. It's really not as important at the end of the day as some of these other things, as far as like, you know, fostering connections with other people and enjoying nature and, and everyone has their own thing, but at the same day, it's, I say it's work, work isn't everything. Um, it can drive you, it can give you purpose, it can keep you focused. Uh, and you know, a good mission at the end of the day will, will resonate with you and give you, give you some purpose, but it's not everything. Um, and then the other piece of advice is I would say when it comes down to whether you're working for a small company or a big company, um just do right you know and taking from that maybe it's just um, someone else has that slogan right just do it maybe, yeah, i heard of, i think it's nike yeah yeah you know someone 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 or other but uh <laughs> but it, it it's true um you know some people i think i and what i used to do is i used to get in my own head about how to approach something how to approach a project or a website or you know project management or even how to how to speak to a client and at the end of the day, uh, all that overthinking is just a massive waste of time. Mm -hmm. The real way to, to, to be efficient in your work is to, to start it, to do it, just you know, put pen to paper, fingertips to keyboard, write your first draft, and then review that draft. And that's, that's, you know, that's progress, at least. You review the draft and you improve it. If you have a manager, if you, that you go to them for feedback, you submit it to them. But at the end of the day, you need to be self-sufficient. You can't rely on other people to always tell you what to do. And the best way to learn something is to just to take it into your own hand and start it. Beautiful. So before I let you go, let me ask you my signature question. All right. If there was one thing you could do to improve this world, what would it do? What would it be and why? Oh, 
God, what a good question. If I had to choose one thing, um, and it's not just regrowing the reefs instantly, I feel like that's too, that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, you really checked that box. Um, I would, I don't know how, I don't, it's an impossible ask, but basically I'd want somehow, uh, I want decentralization to come to government. That would be my way, as if somehow like voting systems and the idea of immutability and uh, providence, you could, if you could bring those aspects to voting, uh, and the ability to like engage and empower the people so that they have a proper say in the government and to basically try to like root out corruption. Um, that would, that would be my way. I think if we had less corrupt governments and more transparency and governments that work more for the people, we'd have a lot less suffering in the world. Wow. That was a really good answer. That could be a whole podcast in itself. What you just said, oh, but well, I'll leave it there. Part two for another day. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you joined the podcast, Brian. Awesome to have you. Very well spoken, very impressive. I'm ex honored to have you as my stepbrother-in-law. I know, we got to get together soon. Now that we're we're so close. I I've been working like a dog every day between these two projects, but I I need to find some time. We'll get out to Brooklyn and we'll uh we'll have a beer. Sounds good. I, lo I love the, I love the shirt, I love the hair, I love the style. <laughs> Thank you very much, brother. I miss you. You too, Brian. Great to see you. Talk soon, all right? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you love Hacking the Hustle, please let us know with a like, subscribe, or a message. Have a great day.